Hello and welcome to Psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap, your host. This is episode 23. Episode 23 talks about my current state. Autobiographical, in the moment, what I was thinking this weekend, and what I feel about who I was, where I am, and where I'm going. The fears I have about that, like all of us do, but mine in specific. What this chapter of my life can bring how I get to where I'm trying to go and what I learned from my past. Thank you for listening. Episode 23 starts right now. How can knowing so much lead to so much confusion? I ask myself out loud to you. And then the answer comes as quickly as the thought. Knowing too much inherently is going to be an issue because clearly I know too much. What's that mean? Well, I'm not tooting my own horn. One of the things I don't know how to do is toot a horn. Probably could toot one, but I couldn't play one. If you have the misfortune of being my wife on a car drive, car drive, huh? Seems redundant. A car sit. On a drive for any length of time, she is subjected to an amount of analysis that is in greater proportion than the preparation for the moon landing, let's say. I have never had a moment that I can remember where I wasn't analyzing every second when I didn't have some kind of stimulus in front of me, whether that be TV, whether that be some kind of activity, school, work, whatever it is. I go immediately in the silence into massive analysis mode. Now, when you're my wife, which of course is a party of one, but what a party! You are wrapped up into that world simply because you're a part of the Jet Dunlap deal, right? And uh, she's her own person as well, but we're married. We live with each other in a 36-foot RV, so uh, we're very close to each other, and we're very close, so a lot of togetherness. When she has to be with me and there's silence, if I press pause on our audiobook or I stop the music when we're driving, she knows she's going to get an earful of stuff. And it usually goes about the same. How did X amount of years equal up to this? How did this activity equal up to this? How did we get to this place from there? How do we go from here to there? There being in the future. This conversation predates her. It goes to the first girlfriend I had. I mean, really, what was the first girlfriend I had when I had long drives was a person who kind of just by the norm of a relationship, had to listen to me, right? So friends would listen to me, but they're not tied into my life narrative to such an extent that the stakes are so high. And what I mean by that is if you're in a relationship with me, as my wife has been for almost 16 years, we are in this journey together. So I can talk to her with a level of emotion towards my own anxieties that I wouldn't be able to talk to someone else with because I just, you know, wouldn't care. When they leave, they leave. You know how old I am. I'm not going to say it again. This is like my new month's resolution. I'm not going to say how old I am all the time, but I'm not 21. And uh, (laughs) so any year that's not the age of 21, I was 21 for a full year. I got that. I remember when I was at my grandparents' house, probably about 10, 12 years ago, My uncle goes over to me, it was Christmas season, probably, the day before Christmas Eve. We're over there. All my relatives are in town, from out of town. They live in Northern California. 
My grandparents' big house, the three-story house in L.A., in the Wilshire area, uh, is where we all congregate. And congregate's the right word because it's almost like a religion. All these family members, the house is teeming and buzzing with about 40 people. My uncle and aunt are leaving. I think they're going to the movies. So my uncle grabs me and he says, it's my uncle John, my youngest uncle, a guy I'm very close to because we're only 12 years apart. He says, Natasha, his wife, told him on the drive over, Jet Dunlap is going to be a millionaire before 30. Now that was pretty great to hear because in my school years, all the way up into my teens, early 20s, there wasn't a lot of anticipation of success at a Jet Dunlap. Heard the story, but for a refresher, I got seven Fs when I was in second grade. I was a horrible student. I had ADD, dyslexia, and uh, was <laughs> just learning to really feel my depression. But school was difficult for me all around. And back then, it really wasn't all those things I just named didn't matter. You know, I went to private high school. So it was like, okay, so what? You know, that those first off were not diagnosed often. But even if they were, it didn't mean that you couldn't perform at the same level as everyone else because they'd just be like, try harder, which I couldn't because with dyslexia, I couldn't tell my brain to process, you know, letters and numbers in a way that was being prevented from happening in my head through chemistry. But they tried and it didn't work. So I say that to say that ending or in the middle of my 20s, having so much success financially and regional manager of a giant retail company's division, being successful in my side business, and then even having personal training companies, I was doing very well. So no one was surprised to hear people talk about this kid's trajectory. And my trajectory looked good. I was a hustler. No one thought, okay, this guy went to a name brand school and went to an internship and worked his way up. I was just a guy who got a job in sales that led to another job in sales that led to another job in sales that led to management, and I hustled right? And I also was able to live with a certain low-level lifestyle that made it so that I could accumulate wealth. Well, I was learning this too. I was going to these seminars with great wealth management teachers. So it wasn't by accident. I wanted to know how to not have the sensation and fear of money that I did growing up because my parents were so young and it was always, will we have enough money? I remember when I was an altar boy, I served 40 days of masses, but I served two masses a day, like this, 6 a.m. and another one, maybe two, maybe even three. That's how I got to be altar boy of the year. The reason I did that is my dad had lost his job, and I felt I needed to pray extra hard to make sure that my father got a job so that we wouldn't be homeless. Now, my dad, you know, looking back, there was no chance we were going to end up in the gutter, but he had that kind of fear. So I had that kind of fear as a kid. So when I went into my working world, I was driven by that. I'm going to be the greatest, was my feeling. I wasn't a great athlete. Everything came difficult to me. And so when I found a niche for me to really show off my feathers, I don't have any, but in my head I saw a peacock, because I'm such a peacock. But um, I, uh, I had an opportunity to show off what I could do, you know? And I was also pursuing film and television at the time as, as a host, and so people thought Jet Dunlap will be a millionaire before 30. Now we go to commercial on inside the music or behind the music, whatever it was on VH1, where they show the guy shooting heroin. And it all went bad. And that kind of is my story, not with the heroin. It's an over-dramatization of it. But it wasn't even that it all went bad. But I didn't have the heart for what came next, which was, firing people, lying, cheating, stealing, 
that was the norm in corporate America. And the people who were teaching me that were not people who liked me, but that was you either play or you're gone. And I struggled for so many years to think, was that really the way it was? And it really was. And so I started making excuses and I may have self-destructed a different way. I didn't get fired. I quit. But uh, I couldn't fire people for the wrong reasons. I couldn't hire people for the wrong reasons. I couldn't just play to stay. So I left. And what I left was this corporate world where I was making six figures, you know, and had a bunch of assistants. It was a fancy boy. (laughs) A fancy boy. Uh, (laughs) Um. But I left and I thought, well, I can take this skill set, transfer it into the private sector as my own business owner. I'll be making more money than I did then in no time. That was on my 30th birthday. I'm not going to tell you my age, but it's 10 years since then. And that didn't happen. Now I can look at this one of two ways. One of them is, Jet, you're a fat failure who sucks and no one likes you. You don't even deserve to live, you bastard. I myself, looking at myself at the end of Die Hard, and I'm, you know, shooting. I was about to say McGruber, Hans Gruber, at the end through the window. That's my own internal visualization of my battle. So I want to get down on myself, and one of my instincts is to blame the people around me, and the only person I can blame is my wife. So when we're going on these vacations, she's my Hans Gruber. If you haven't seen Die Hard 1, do yourself a favor, see it. Then listen to the rest of the show. But, uh... I did not have any of that success. I made more money in a month than I ever have. I've made more money in an hour than I ever have. I got into the Screen Actors Guild. I had progress, but that stalled out, and then I changed tracks. Did I not give it enough time? How do I know? You know, if I could use my magic goggles to look into a parallel or alternate universe and see what the Jet Dunlap of that universe did, um, maybe I could tell you definitively whether or not my choices in the road were the right choices. Speaking of roads and choices, my quote, senior year of high school, you know, you get a little quote under your face. I put two roads diverged in the woods and I took the one less traveled, Robert Frost. And I did that and I looked at it, not recently, but my 20th reunion came up like last year. And I thought, I really did. I really did. If there are two roads in front of me, I'm going to take the one less traveled. If that's hiking, if that's running, even on my four by fours that I've built, I want the one that's less traveled. Because I think of myself as unique. I think of myself as special and I don't want to go with the flow. But where has that brought me? It's brought me to a place where I haven't had a grip in the world I want to be in for a long time. And what does that mean? There are moments in my life where I'm struggling at a high level. But that's okay, because I'm struggling in the business or in the world that I want to struggle in. And that's fine. When I was auditioning or doing any of the things when I was in the thick of acting, I was okay with that. Because, you know, failure wasn't a problem. It was just I wanted to be in that world. Then when I was working in the wedding industry, working as a producer, working as a consultant, working in construction. Even right now, as I labor away at this fence build at our property, this 40-foot fence that I've had to dig through this tree root that was attached to a 50-foot tree. And I had to take that out with an axe, and I did it over four days. I did it to such an extent that I had such severe heat stroke that when my wife came out to stop me from doing it, I was not able to connect sentences, and I sounded insane, so I had to go in and cool off. That is how hard I will work at anything, that illustration. I will work it till the tires fall off. I will work it till my hands are to the bone. When I created our house, I went over to Gina's father, my wife's father, and I said, you have this property. What if I took this piece of land you have that's a giant hill, 
that no one can do anything with on your property, so much so that he had it since the early 80s and done nothing with it. This was 2015. I said, what if I could level that out? Would you let me put a home there? Could I have that? And he laughed. I mean, just like, he, just like his character would have in a movie, he literally laughed. Okay, Jet, what are you going to do? Rent a caterpillar, blah, blah, blah? No, I'll do it with a shovel. Laughs again. He's like, you know how much rock is under there? Tons. Not figurative tons. Literal tons of rock that I smashed with a pick. I did it with my hands. I know how much I removed because I paid for these bins to take the, the dirt away. And so I removed somewhere around 40 tons of dirt with my own two hands. I ended up building a porch with my wife because if I have the opportunity, I've got the skills, I have that need to prove something to myself. I like digging, and I've talked about that before, because when I put my shovel in the ground, I can exceed anyone's ability because of sheer force of will, my ability to work through pain, and that I'll nonstop until it's done. And so in my 20s, I did that with business. In my 30s, I tried to go into business for myself, but the odds were stacked against me. I didn't know how to do a business loan. I didn't know how to incorporate. I didn't know, and being a dyslexic, I didn't have those advantages of just being able to read it or go to college for it. So I had some success, limited. I had peaks and valleys. But, you know, again, I got closer to the film and television industry than I ever did or ever could in my 20s because I had to work full time. So I was talking to my wife about this on the drive up to this vacation we took this Labor Day weekend. Why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? It's always the next thing, right? It's the what ifs. But in this decade of my life, I cannot continue to play the what-ifs because I look at my father, who's 20 years older than me. I can't let the next 20 years slip by. And not to say the 30s were a slip, right? Because they weren't. You're starting to get a clue of how old I am, by the way. Um, They weren't a slip. I worked my ass off. But I did not achieve in my 30s what I wanted to achieve in my 20s and what I expected to achieve my whole life. So I'm doing something now, this show, as you would know, because you're listening to it right now. Is this the right track? I wouldn't question it, because when I started, I knew as if it was a biblical thing, in the sense that it was as close to having someone come down from the heavens and saying, Jet, this is your calling. That's as close as I've ever gotten as far as doing this, publicly speaking about my condition, to have some kind of relatability to people who haven't been able to relate to someone in the past, and to give them hope through me, as I go through my own journey so they see it in an authentic way. That's what I was told, right? But just like driving... That sign in my life, that huge, glaring, neon, Vegas-like sign in the desert that said, Jet, this is it. Just like Vegas, kept driving. 100 miles go by, 200 miles go by. Park your car, get in your house. There's the bills. Someone calls you, someone texts you. I'll tell you right now, in the world we live in, in 2019, going into 2020, even if you witnessed a miracle, in a week, you won't care. You'll be impressed by it. It may even guide your decisions slightly, but the emotional sensation that you experienced that you were in when it happened is fleeting because it's so easy to be distracted. And you try and harness onto that feeling again, even like me through meditation, through yoga, whatever, to say, hey, Jet, you know you're supposed to do this. But it just slips. We can't hold on to time. We can't hold on to moments in this life because that's not how a linear, progressive universe works. But then... As I've described it before, I want to give up what I know I'm supposed to do for what I want to do right now because I don't want to be nothing. That fear is so prevalent in my heart that I contemplate self-destruction. I would never execute on it, but I contemplate it because I would rather be gone from this earth than be nothing. Because that's not why I was put here. 
That's not why I met the incredible people in my life. That's not why my grandfather was in my life and my great mentor. I've had so many mentors that were like Aristotle. I mean, I had the training of a king. And if I can't take those incredible men and women who have fostered my talent and my ability, who has every advantage, if I can't capitalize on that, who am I? And that's the question I ask myself. Why can't I do it? You know all my disabilities. You know all my issues. And you know, even though I have all those physical abilities, my depression and my brain has been what's holding me back. But so is circumstance. So is some kind of, you want to call it fate, go ahead. I don't know what it is. I've said I can't call it luck because if it's luck, then I don't have a lot. And I have more bad luck than good luck. So I can't consider that. I do put one foot in front of the other. And I do move forward in spite of overwhelming odds. And I'm sure on this show one day you'll be able to hear from people like my wife and my friends who've been around me through my mystery diseases that blanked out my mind, my issues with alcoholism, my childhood. All that stuff was so tough. For what? For what? Because it has to matter. I don't mind, this is a funny statement, but I wouldn't have minded if I had a charm childhood, right? Happy-go-lucky. I've known these people, they exist. My life was made for a person to be doing what I'm doing because I wouldn't have been subjected to the unusual circumstances that I have throughout my life, good or bad, unless it was to inform other humans to be able to walk the road I have walked, which is the one less traveled. And many times that road, let me tell you, was not picked by me. It was picked for me. And I said, okay, bloodied and beaten, I will continue. And this is in ancient history. This was three days ago. After four days of working outside in the 100 degree weather, using a pick and an axe for four to six hours a day, I wouldn't stop because I will not stop because the game that I play, it's not video games or board games. I believe life is this challenge, this epic challenge. And I don't know if you can win or lose. Maybe you leave this planet and you have enough experiences that you've gathered as a spiritual entity. You go back and you're done. I don't know what winning and losing looks like, but I know that what I'm here for has not been executed on. I'm not in that room. I'm not on that stage. I'm not on your TV. And until I have that, I will be in a state of non-satisfaction with who I am. When I look at the mirror, it doesn't matter if I'm in good shape I mean, it helps when I'm in good shape then, rather than in bad shape. But when I look in the mirror and I see myself, whether I have a beard, I'm shaved, whatever it is, I see a guy looking back who could be something to other people, which is what I want to do. I want to serve you guys. I want to help you guys get through the roads I traveled because they suck. And when I see other people go through those same pitfalls, I go, oh, I'm sorry they had to go through that because it's hard and maybe I can help. How do I get in a position to be able to assist in that? And so far, swing and a miss. Swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss. Because it wasn't just once. It wasn't just a hundred times. You're put here on this earth for a purpose, maybe. Some of us definitely are. They know it. And the ones who seem to have the most success, they believe that that purpose is clear to them. Hey, I had success, so obviously I was here to be an actor, singer, CEO of some great company. I've had a lot of, of that in me since I can remember but the stage is still a ghost. And as always, I have to persist. And now not just for myself, not just for my wife, not just for the purpose that's been welling up inside of me my entire life, like a ticking clock, not just for that, but for you. Because what is this show if it doesn't have the conclusion that shows you that it can be done?
not the conclusion meaning the show's over, but I mean watching me go through these steps in real time, blazing a trail for you. Maybe it's of inspiration, maybe it's practical. I know this relates to you, because I know you need to hear this. I hope it helps you understand that A, you're not alone, and B, the choice is always obvious. As a human, we have to keep going. Because if we can't go back, we must go forward. No other choice. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. Till next time, I'm Jet Dunlap. This is Psychotherapy. Thanks a lot.